0: This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org for more shows like this one.
1: The Darkness Awaits. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Bumps all through the night, mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing together. Hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Set on back and listen in to some of our
0: darkest mysteries. Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host, Jerry and Tracy Pauly, and their dog, Ninja.
1: Hey guys, it's Jerry and Tracy and we're here for episode 106, but this episode is a little bit different because we're actually in New Orleans, so we are uh, having a good time. Thank you so much for all of your patronage that helps allow us to do these things, go on these ghost tours and uh, haunted museums and cemeteries and be able to to send stuff back to you guys and get us some cool insights. We've already met a uh, tour guide from Witches Brew Tours down here. His name's Edward. He's going to come on the show. One of the best storytellers I've ever met in my entire life. He's phenomenal. And he's going to have some cool stuff to add. So it's already going to pay dividends for you guys. Tracy, are you here?
0: I'm here. I'm just listening to you. You're talking so nicely and everything.
1: This has been like a huge pain in the neck technologically. <laughs> <Tackling>
0: technologically. <hard. laughs> <like.
1: laughs> we started off by coming down here and I, we brought all of our equipment, our mixer and all this stuff. And then I left one of the power cords to the mixer at home. And that power cord is not something I can just run the best buy and, and, and get.
0: Yeah.
1: But our, we do have one microphone. We've got brought two with us, but we can't use two. We're using one right now, like the old school days. But it took a special cord that I could buy at Best Buy, so I had to run out and get that. So we get that. We recorded all of our shorts uh, for the patrons that we didn't get a chance to do before we left. And now we have no internet. (laughs) So I haven't been able to, now we've recorded these things, but we can't put them out. But what we're going to do for you guys, you're still getting an episode. If you're a Patreon supporter, you've probably already heard this one. But if you're not, which most of you aren't because... It's just the nature of the business. Most of you have not heard this, so the Patreon supporters have been super nice enough to let us steal one of their episodes to play for you guys that you haven't heard yet. So you still don't have to worry about missing the show this week. Have I heard it? Uh, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> but this is one we just actually did about a month or so ago, and I, I really liked it. And when and when I did it, my whole thought process was to use that for this episode. So we kind of knew when we were recording it, we were going to use it for this. So it's really close to a regular show. I think you guys will like it. And it's three different stories. So nice. enjoy, and we will see you guys soon.
0: Bye. Oh, by the way. I'm done pooping. Most no. people
1: didn't know that. No.
0: Oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> On the Patreon episodes, I had to do them by myself because Tracy was pooping.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, That's Over and out. See
1: you later. Bye. (laughs) But anyways, the long and short is because we're kind of doing this in advance, there's not going to be any Patreon chat outs or anything like that. We do want to point out, though, that if you like what you're hearing, uh, you get uh, at least one of these episodes, full episodes a month if you're a Patreon supporter. Um, Then you get two of them if on a certain level, and you can get anywhere from four to 24 little mini bonus episodes every month, depending on which level you're on, so Consider giving it a look and see what you think. We do want to say thank you to all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent and support. And also uh, bring up our suicide hotline, one 983 7370 Or you can text 741-741. Some people would rather text than, than to talk. It's the society we live in today. But just basically want to say, hey, people out there love you, whether you realize it or not. You're never a burden on anyone. I hear people so many times that are depressed and suicidal make comments about, hey, people would just be better off without me, and, and I promise you that's never the case. If you were able to just not assume and ask the people around you, they would all overwhelmingly tell you how much you're, you're loved. And uh, I'm here to tell you today that we love you. Even if we don't know you in person, if we've ever talked to you, if you're listening to this show, you're part of our family, and we would be deeply hurt to find out that anybody had been in that situation to where they felt like they just weren't loved and took their own life. So, with that being said, guys, let's move on to the show. Thank you.
0: You are listening to the Human Horror Stories Patreon. Bonus this episode, please welcome your hosts, Jerry and Tracy Pauly.
1: Hey guys, and welcome to the July Patreon bonus episode.
0: Man, this year is flying by. It
1: absolutely is. It's crazy. <laughs> We're a um, couple weeks away from going to New Orleans. Oh my
0: gosh. Seriously. To me, that sounds like it's been taking forever.
1: It does, and now it's like it, now it's, it's like, zipping right along. Yeah, that
0: was so exciting.
1: Now it's like we got so much stuff going on. Like
0: I don't even know. We're going to be exhausted from our vacation. You know this, right? I
1: do. But like, it'll be worth it. Like, for example, <laughs> this is funny, but some of you out there listening, this involves you, so we're going to leave from Lexington, and we're going to drive five and a half hours to Huntsville, Alabama. So we're going to get up early that Tuesday and go there, and the intention is to go to... The Dead Children's Playground, which is in Huntsville. We're going to try to uh, hook up with Haley McMahon, who lives in Huntsville, and she's going to be our little tour guide. Then we're going to try to get from there to Birmingham, which is another hour and a half away, because we want to go see Sloss Furnaces, mm-hmm. which is right there. Then we're going to spend the night and go to the Haunted Hotel, the, the um, what was it called? The Tutwiler mm-hmm. Hotel to eat dinner. And then we may be uh, meeting Christy Hagen there, which is another Patreon supporter. Yay!
0: I didn't know about that one.
1: So... Here we go, literally, on the first day of leaving out, and we're trying to go to two different cities, go to three different haunted places, and meet up with two different listeners. Man. And that's just the first day.
0: That, what the heck? <laughs> we're going to so, have to eat our Wheaties that morning. So
1: we definitely will be worn out from our vacation. <laughs> and then, like I said, we're going to um, go to Louisiana when we're in New Orleans, and, and then we're going to the Myrtles Plantation on that Friday, which is a little over two hours away from New Orleans. So we'll already be there, but we still got to take a two-hour-and-a-half-hour two drive, I think it is, yeah. well, to get there. But then we're going to hook up with a lot of you guys there, so anybody that's coming down to mm-hmm. New Orleans. And like I said, probably next week's show, uh, the regular show, we, we will put out where we're going, at what times, and then anybody who wants to come down and hang with us can hang with us.
0: Yeah, we're looking forward to that, too.
1: Yeah, and it's going to be free of charge. <clears throat> I mean, not the... You know, like the Myrtles and stuff, they charge you to get in, but it's like mm-hmm. hanging with us, we'll just tell you where we're we're gonna eat dinner at one place this night and if you guys wanna come out and Hey, we said,
0: need to find a place where we can have a big ass bonfire.
1: I don't think that's gonna happen in the middle of New Orleans.
0: Oh. I mean I, well, think, it, I
1: think it happens. It's usually in the bad parts let's of town go but hang it's not out. a bonfire, let's it's do. intentional. <laughs>
0: Let's go hang out in the swamp somewhere.
1: That is something we're going to do. We're going to take one of those swamp buggy th- tours, and, and, and once we get that booked, we'll, we'll tell y'all which one we're I on. I swear, and,
0: if I get ate by alligator, I'm going to be so mad at you.
1: Well, me too, because that'll probably make us late for the next show. It
0: probably will. I mean, you I can just find
1: a replacement overnight, unless, <laughs> unless Kristen's able to do it, and then she would be my first choice.
0: Aw. She would. Aw. She that's would. So she nice. would be
1: my first choice. Aw. So.
0: Well, how nice of you to say that.
1: Well, she sounds like you, and that's what they do in all these other shows. Oh. Like on Roseanne to replace the Becky with what kind of looks like Becky. Oh, and
0: true story. That's
1: what they have to do, so. Well,
0: let's hope it don't go that far. And it's I... a
1: podcast, so it's all about the voice. So yeah. It's, it's, she sounds a lot like you. She
0: does. So. Well, let's just hope I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's how, that sounded uh, Cajun-y. Didn't it? it? it. Yeah, et i I'm, I'm practicing. That's what the et toufet comes from. I
0: love how they talk. I love the Cajun talk. Is that's that right? What, yeah. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. If you get
1: talking to Jeremy Collins Mm -hmm. long enough and get him away from his Wyoming accent, his Mm -hmm. Cajun comes out.
0: Oh, really? Very cool.
1: He's definitely still got the Cajun accent on a Cajun. That's so
0: cool.
1: All right. So we're not going to talk about anything to do with Cajun today. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to start off with a very cool story. I I told a little bit of of this story. I mean, a little, like a five-minute version on um, the old Don't Break the Oath podcast. Mm -hmm. But this was one of those to where their sound quality was horrible and I think eight people heard it. So I think we're oh, safe in doing the story again.
0: Well, yeah, definitely. Lee, Lee knows he
1: had horrible sound quality.
0: Well, now he's got great sound quality. He
1: does have great sound quality. I think
0: quality, like, well,
1: yeah. <laughs> so anyways, let's jump into this story because this is, it's actually a better story than I knew that it was from, oh. and I, like I said, I looked into it before, but when I really dove into all the, the,
0: uh, Ninja,
1: when I <laughs> dove into all the, uh, aspects of it, it's, it's just a, a really cool place that now I really want to go to. So,
0: All right, let's go.
1: All right, Key West, Florida is where this place is. Now, we already know Key West, Florida is home of, um, obviously, Robert the Doll. Mm -hmm. And then we had the story of the guy that decided he wanted to keep his dead girlfriend with him for, you know, 13 years before he got caught. That was in Key West.
0: Yikes. And now
1: we got this story, Captain Tony's Saloon. Now, a lot of you have heard of a famous bar on Duval Street called Sloppy Joe's. It's very well known. It's it's by far the most famous bar in Key West. Now, Sloppy Joe's was originally right around the corner on Green Street. And I'm telling you this because many people will tell you about how Ernest Hemingway used to go to Sloppy Joe's, and that was his, like, regular place because Ernest Hemingway spent all of his time down there in Key West. And that was his favorite place to go drink at. But that was at the old location of Sloppy Joe's, which is now called Captain Tony's. Now, here's how that came to be. Josie Russell, which makes sense for the uh, Sloppy Joe's, but Josie Russell opened Sloppy Joe's on Green Street in
0: 1930s. Wait, why does Josie make sense because of Sloppy Joe? What I miss?
1: Sloppy Joe's, Josie's. Josie's, Sloppy oh, Joe's. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Sloppy Joe's, live as Sloppy Joe's. Joe. Okay. Sorry. So, in 1938... The rent was raised by a dollar a week. <laughs> <laughs> and and Sloppy Joe's said the hell with that. Uh we're moving.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: And they moved to their more f- famous location on Duval Street. Well, it's the most famous bar in Key West, so uh-huh. they obviously did something right by moving. So yeah. it probably been oh, well, a, a good thing. But <laughs> they then. literally moved because they raised the rent to a dollar a week.
0: A dollar. Wow. <laughs> If the, only today we could do that.
1: I mean, this was the, like 1938. It's not like a yeah. dollar was that more expensive yeah. back then. I mean, I understand it was more expensive, but w- right. what's that equivalent to? Probably $10 a week now? Oh, yeah. So anyway, so the building that was once Hemingway's favorite drinking establishment went through several different businesses before Captain Tony Teresino bought the location, and it became Captain Tony's Saloon. I like the name. Now, this building itself has a super long and dark history that goes all the way back to the 1850s. It's been a morgue, a bordello, a telegraph office, a speakeasy, and a cigar factory before it became um, Sloppy Joe's and then...
0: Yeah, it's so Captain weird Thomas. how they just go from one extreme to another. I mean, you go from <laughs> a morgue to making a cigar. A cigar.
1: A cigar. The,
0: the cigar. 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 <laughs> cigar. How do you say it? Cigar.
1: Cigar. Cigar. Emphasis on gar.
0: Oh. So cigar.
1: (laughs) Anyways, Captain Tony's is kind of a happening place. Aside from Hemingway, Shel Silverstein and Tennessee Williams have also been known to throw back a few drinks here at the bar.
0: Very nice.
1: It was Captain Tony's stage that Jimmy Buffett started his career on.
0: No kidding. How about that? That's really nice, man.
1: Some legends, like Bob Dylan have been known to just show up and do kind of uh, an impromptu concert there.
0: Very, very cool. So yeah,
1: this place is, it's pretty well-known too, so it's not well, as well-known like as yeah. Sloppy Joe's, but it's, its like I said, it's a happening place. It's the history, though, above everything else, that brings so many people to this haunted spot. The history has seen lynchings, accidents, and murder.
0: Ooh. And suicides. Oh.
1: Originally built in 1851, 428 Green Street was home to Two different businesses that operated on the same roof. It was an ice house that was stocked by ships sailing down the East Coast, and obviously to go along with that, it was also the city morgue. I mean, if you're going to have Ooh. all that ice there, you might as well get two photos I
0: know, but when you get the the stench of dead people on the ice,
1: I don't think that they were like just using all the ice for the dead people and then using that I mean, ice to just give out to people. Oh, I just think it was conveniently next door. I gotcha. In 1865, the Florida Keys was hit by a massive hurricane. The ocean had surges from 15 to 20 feet, and there was a lot of damage done to the area. This building was no exception. After the storm hit, most of the building's contents, including corpses, were floating on the outside of the building. Oh
0: my gosh, what a terrible thing to have to see on top of everything else.
1: All the bodies were missing except for one, according to Captain Tony's current order, Joe Faber. They found one body that was near the outside of the building that is now the inside of the building because they've expanded. Oh, okay. um, But now that body inside the building where the pool room is. So they never found the other bodies. So the Bahamian people decided that they wanted to make an unofficial gravesite here. They buried the body and built a wall around it and they put bottles of holy water into the wall.
0: Oh, that was nice.
1: Yeah, so this building since then has survived several storms, as you can imagine. But we mentioned uh, some speakeasy and bordello things that were there in the past. As Prohibition ended, though, it became more of a legit business and became Sloppy Joes and eventually Captain Tony's. And the rest is history. And we're going to talk about some of that history. Captain Tony's expanded throughout the 20th century, mm-hmm. which is why now, obviously, that body is, that you, was on the outside, that grave is now on the inside. They added the billiard room, which they built over and around that wall with the holy water in it.
0: Over and around that
1: wall. Yeah, so now it's like that walls are part of the, the complex now. So they didn't tear the walls and stuff down.
0: Yeah, I'm just trying to picture that in my mind.
1: Yeah, I can't really picture it either. But. So, it's all still there. So, now that grave site is now inside the bar. They just built around it. Oh, it gets worse.
0: Does a lot of people know that?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody knows it. Oh, wow. Everybody from there knows it. In the 1980s, they were taking up some old plywood floors, and they uncovered something they weren't really quite expecting, the bones of between 8 and 15 bodies. Whoa. (laughs) There have been um, several different bodies that were found down there, Mm -hmm. and they even keep uh, a skeletal, skeletal reminder Behind the bar, it's still there today. I'll see if I can't dig up a picture. <laughs> <laughs> These bones are uh are not the only thing they found though. When they were digging this thing up, they also found a grave marker of a young woman named Elvira Edmonds. You can still see that there today.
0: You can? Yes.
1: It's in the cement next to one of the pool tables. Whoa. And Miss Elvira Edmonds, she died in 1822. She was 21 years old. Aw. Oddly enough, that's not the only gravestone inside of Captain Tony's.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is crazy. <laughs>
1: the other one is uh, in the bar, and it's under the old hanging tree. That's right. I said the you old hanging like tree. <laughs>
0: the tree that they actually hung you from? Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yes. Oh, my gosh. We'll
1: get to that in a minute. So the gravestone belongs to Reba Sawyer. She was alive from 1900 to 1950, and when she died, her husband actually found a bunch of letters, and it was between her and another man, and these letters were pretty detailed, and they uh, talked several times in there about hooking up and setting up little rendezvous at Captain Tony's. So the man was so pissed off that he drug her gravestone from the cemetery into the bar and put it under the tree. He supposedly said, well... This is where you want it to be, and this is where you will stay.
0: This is where you want to be laid, and this is where you will stay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, so let's get to the hanging tree.
0: Oh, my gosh. There's so much in this bar. I'm telling you. This is awesome.
1: There's a tree growing through the roof of the building with bras and other miscellaneous things hanging from it. <laughs> That's not why it's called the hanging tree. In the 1800s, 18 people were lynched From this tree. Oh, wow. All of them were pirates, so they were hung for piracy, except for one. And we're going to talk about that one. In the late 1800s, a woman brutally murdered her husband and two sons. Oh, no. She chopped them up (gasps) into little bits and pieces, and then she threw the bloody chunks of flesh out into the backyard for the animals to pretty much dispose of.
0: Oh, my Lord. What is her problem?
1: A neighbor... Kind of got a glimpse of something going on, and um, they called the, some other people to come oh, and my help gosh. her inspect, or help him inspect. So the group shows up. They go over there. They they see the mangled pieces of mm. body found. Then they go inside. They find the woman. She's exhausted, which, as you can well, imagine, I mean, chopping up three bodies into mm. bits. I mean, it's got to be exhausting. She's wearing a blue dress, covered in blood. This crowd instantly turned into a lynch mob and they took her out to the hanging tree
0: and they hung her. Now see that's the way it needs to be done today. Don't waste no time. Just take it out out there and just do it and get it over with. For people that are mean and hateful like that.
1: Right? <laughs> Don't drag me into this.
0: Oh, you say no? I shouldn't say <laughs> I'm that. I'm not saying
1: anything. I'm just saying all opinions voiced and expressed aren't necessarily that of hillbilly horse <laughs> That's all I'm saying.
0: (laughs) Well, in this case, she deserved it. Come on now.
1: So, guess who the most famous haunting at Captain Tony's is? That heifer. One of the pirates. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. It's the lady in blue is the best known haunting. People spot a bluish blur passing through the room. Some spot an apparition of a lady in a blue dress just out of the corner of their eye. Nobody gets a real good...
0: See, she don't even deserve to come back and haunt,
1: because she's mean. Some have claimed to even have caught her in photographs. Now, she's not the only spirit at this South Florida beautiful spot, enjoying the
0: weather. I wonder why she killed them. I have no idea. I wonder why she killed her kids. I don't know. Ugh. Fine, and he, I ain't giving her no more time. In
1: 1976, when uh, Joe Faber first came, of course, Joe Faber, remember, he's the owner of the bar now. When he first came to Captain Tony's, he was in college, and he heard about some of the ghost stories from Captain Tony himself, the original owner of the bar.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I bet he had some good ones to tell then.
1: Well, one of those stories was the, was the bathroom story, and uh, that would definitely pique my interest.
0: <laughs> well, hey, you know there's always got to be a good bathroom stories.
1: So the legend goes back to the early days of the saloon. And there's a couple of different variations, but we'll touch on the one that's the most famous. One of them is that a woman brought her young child into the, the speakeasy, as it was at the time. She saw her husband. He was drinking and we'll say engaging in the company of other ladies. And the mother snapped and killed her child in the bathroom.
0: What in the tarnation did she do that for?
1: I don't know. She carried the kid's body out under a blanket. So that's kind of the story. Now we're going to fast forward to a story that collaborate, not collaborates that but has to do with with that bathroom. In 2005, one of the lady patrons uh, said she had a very creepy experience in a ladies' room that left her rattled. She tried to go into, you know, when the bathroom, she tried to go into the first stall, but it was locked. She figured someone was in there, so She didn't bother to worry about it. She thought maybe she just didn't notice somebody else coming Uh in because she had been watching the bathroom doors. They were apparently sitting close to the bathroom. So she didn't see anybody go in there. So when she went in and she saw that it was locked, that initially was like, well, that's odd because I didn't see anybody come Uh in here. And then she didn't see any feet or anything. So it was obviously locked from the inside. But then she heard, as she was in there, the door close to the bathroom. And she's like, well, that was odd. But she just kind of let it go. So then, before they left, she decided to go back to the bathroom again. And she went to the first stall. because the, And the reason she kept going to the first stall, she said she didn't like the back stall. Mm-hmm. Because it was just something creep, it, something about it creeped her out so she didn't like to go. But she goes, the door's still locked from the inside. So she has, goes ahead and goes to the back stall. She goes in there, and again, she hears the door close. Well, she kind of peeked out, and nobody had came in, so, and nobody was in there. And so she's like, well, that's odd. Well, soon as soon as that happens, she hears the stall, the first stall. Mm-hmm. She hears the door slam, and it scares the crap out of her. She gets up, jump, finished, and she had already finished her business, so she gets up and jumps out of the stall. And she looks, and the stall is still closed and locked. But she heard it slam. She was right next to it, so she would know, and there's nobody else in the in the bathroom. And so it had never been unlocked and any time she'd been in there, but she heard the door slam right next to her. So she said,
0: maybe
1: she just, she's standing on the toilet. She said, she, she, she the toilet. What?
0: Maybe she was standing on the toilet. <laughs> <So>
1: she, <laughs> so she said she ran out and she never looked back. So, and in the owner, Joe Faber, he says, he's a skeptic. He said that he's never seen the lady in blue or he's never felt any kind of strange feelings in the, in the bathroom or any of that. But he has had two experiences that he can't explain. He said that he's heard voices that he thinks are some type of a warning. He said about eight or nine years ago, he was in the bar alone, about 4 a.m. He was sitting down doing some paperwork, and someone said, hey, Joe. I immediately thought it was Jimi Hendrix, but apparently it wasn't. (laughs) So he thought it was pretty odd because he, as far as he knew, he was the only person in there. So he got up to go see who was looking for him he went down to downstairs he went to the or not downstairs but he went to the back and the back door to the bar was completely wide open.
0: Oh man, that was scare me so bad. And
1: I think there's two doors. I think the two doors were they were both wide open. And he said he had just been there like 30 minutes before and they weren't open. And nobody had been there in the meantime and in the back lot where this is, the uh, it's completely fenced in. The whole parking lot is, so there's no way anybody could have came in or got out. So He figured this voice was just to let him know, maybe lock the doors. So he didn't think much of it until several years later. He was sitting at the bar at the end of the night, doing some paperwork, same way. It's about 4 a.m. He heard that same voice again. No kidding. This time, though, it says, don't leave. Oh, gosh. So he gets up. He ran to see if the doors were open. That was his first instinct. Everything was all locked down, everything like he thought. He checked the entire building, thinking that, you know, there's got to be something going on. Maybe there's a fire or, or something like that. But
0: Well, that it, would not be a good idea. When, if you think there's a fire and then say, don't leave. <laughs>
1: well, that's what I thought, too. I was like, yeah, they're probably not going to tell you not to leave. But, but anyway, in his mm-hmm. thought process at the time, you mm-hmm. know, so he couldn't find anything wrong, so he went home. A few hours later, his phone rang. He gets a call about 6 a.m. from a policeman saying that a teenage girl committed suicide in front of the bar. The girl had called her mom said that she had taken a bunch of pills to kill herself. She said that she was in front of a yellow building under a green awning. She thought it was a bar. Her mom called the police. Police went, you know, up to the bar and found a young girl in front of the uh, uh, Captain Tony's dead. Oh. Mr. Faber said that he felt like that maybe if he'd have stayed at the bar that night, maybe he could have saved he her. He could have found her and maybe helped her. So he said he has no clue what that voice was. But he's been there for 23 years. He's only heard it twice, and both times it was meaningful.
0: Oh, man.
1: So he said people can speak of the lady in blue. They can speak of the bathroom deal. But that means nothing to him until he sees it. But as far as what he's heard, he knows that there's something definitely going on Mm
0: -hmm. there.
1: So considering how many people were either hung from that tree, the uh, lives of uh, people that were lost in a hurricane, the bodies buried beneath that place, the time that it was a morgue, the death that happened, yeah, you know, that's on a honor on the merchandise property, something probably is going on, and there's probably some spirits hanging around Captain Tony's.
0: I mean, I don't know how there couldn't be. That's a bunch of stuff in one spot. Thank so, God. how about that
1: for a cool story? Yeah,
0: that was very good. But see,
1: I like the fact, like he said, well, I that's very really bad to say I like the fact, because I don't like the fact, but I do see where he's coming from. Of it saying, don't leave. Mm-hmm. And then you find out that that happens. Yeah. That maybe if you had stuck around, it would have made a difference. Who knows? Yeah. But,
0: but I bet that really bothered him for a lot of years, I'm sure.
1: Yeah. So, anyways, know. that's the story on Captain told That's a good story, honey. Then just snoring, so apparently he didn't enjoy it as much.
0: <laughs> well, you know.
1: <laughs> so now we're going to jump from a haunted bar to a teenager possessed in a school in South Africa.
0: That sounds um, exciting.
1: So it's from South Florida to South Africa.
0: There we go. I've never I, I, I don't know either. <laughs> I'm kind of interested to see what's going on here.
1: Well, this is the story of Clara Germana Sele. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of a doozy. It's one of these possession stories that you really don't hear very often. And there's not a ton of information on it, but what's there is pretty damn good. So the story takes place in 1906 in South mm-hmm. Africa. Clara was an average 16 year old girl at St. Michael's Mission School. She did have a tough childhood though and she was orphaned and baptized as an infant. The nuns found Clara to be through the 16 years that Clara spent at the orphanage the nuns found her to be pretty ordinary and very predictable. Boy were they wrong. When she was 16 years old she made a confession but not your ordinary hey I had dirty thoughts of or I lied to my parents type of confession, she told Father Erasmus Horner that she made a pact with the devil.
0: Well, that's a good start, I guess.
1: Father said that he knew that she was serious because he looked through that little screen of mm-hmm. the confession booth. Yeah. And he said he heard the voice of a girl, but he could see the silhouette of a man standing there.
0: Oh. <laughs> so, he,
1: so he gets up, he gets, came out of the booth, he walked around to the other side, and he said he saw Clara sitting there where well, she was not sitting she was on her hands and knees but she was just smiling he said almost like look what i've done
0: oh that's so creepy
1: so on august 20th 1906 things escalated she scared the hell out of the nuns at the school they witnessed her just kind of tearing at her clothes and talking to invisible things and growling like an animal
0: so like when she was in a room by herself i guess I guess
1: she was just wherever so oh I mean, my
0: gosh so mm. after
1: after it was determined that she met the criteria for demonic possession father erasmus and another priest by the name of uh, Mansetti, were cleared to perform an exorcism. Well, on September 11th, 1906, the ritual was performed. It lasted from early morning until noon. It's not very long. I
0: no, not, not really. She must have not been that possessed. <laughs>
1: well, it picked back up.
0: She's a beginner.
1: It picked back up at, at 3 p.m. and continued uh, into the night. So I guess they needed lunch or something. Oh,
0: yeah, they had to have a break. Order a pizza or something.
1: <laughs> During this time, Clara knocked a Bible from the priest's hands and attempted to strangle him with his stole. Well. You know, the stole is right.
0: Mm, that, that thing that hangs around their neck? Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, the, one that the dude from the exorcist kept wiping vomit and stuff off his eyes with.
0: <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> so the the head nun said that no animal had ever made such sounds. Neither the lions of East Africa nor the angry bulls. At times it sounded like a... Veritable herd of wild beasts orchestrated by Satan had formed a hellish choir. This nun was pretty crafty with her wordmanship. I'll give her that.
0: Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. sound like she thought about that for a while. She's,
1: she's a regular Lennon and McCartney. Yeah,
0: she's like, man, I got a word that's just right.
1: <laughs> At one point, she said that uh, Sister, please, call Father Erasmus. I must confess and tell everything but quick, quick, or Satan will kill me.
0: The nun said that? No, the nun Oh, didn't not say the that. I was going to say, wait, what? Oh, the little mean yeah, girl.
1: The possessed girl. Yeah. Well, you just got opinions of everybody. So a little later, she said, you have betrayed me. You have promised me days of glory, but now you treat me cruelly.
0: Oh, man. She is not happy.
1: The behavior only got more and more bizarre from there, as you can imagine. She fluently spoke Polish, German, and French, and a few other languages that she had no prior knowledge of. This was was witnessed by several people. She also had numerous outbursts. The nuns reported that her skin would burn when she was sprinkled with holy water. She would lash out violently when crosses or other sacred objects were brought anywhere close to her or when they were, even if they were concealed mm. to where she didn't know that they were on
0: her. Well, then that's a sign that she's not lying.
1: She became clairvoyant. She displayed this by going around to all the teachers and revealing their deepest, darkest secrets <gasps> oh. that she couldn't possibly have known.
0: <laughs> oh, that is not good.
1: Could, could you imagine no. somebody just walks up to you and <laughs> just tells you something that you know nobody else knows? How embarrassing! <laughs> One night, the school's authorities went to her room. They grabbed her for another exorcism. And she threw one of the teachers across the room that tried to grab her. It took like five of them because literally one of them tried to grab her. She threw him straight across the room. Wow. Into a wall. So then there was an, uh, an occurrence that was witnessed by several people where she levitated five feet off of the ground.
0: You gotta admit, that's some pretty cool skills. It is.
1: Her clothes stuck to her body like she was defying gravity. Only after being sprinkled with holy water did she snap out of this and get back to normal, somewhat normal. The nuns also claimed that she had the ability to transform into a snake-like creature. Her body became flexible as rubber and she slithered across the floor. At one point, she bit a nun on the arm and left a puncture wound that was very similar to a snake.
0: That... Is cray-cray. Come on now.
1: So the next morning, uh, the rites were administered again.
0: She's probably like, bitch, can you all be done with this already?
1: <laughs> the demon told the priest that he would give a signal of his exit uh, by act of levitation, which occurred in front of 170 people in the mission chapel. Wow. That was the, the five feet deal. The priest confirmed that Clara was cleared and the devil's influence was gone.
0: Yay.
1: But in January 1907, (laughs) Clara claimed that uh, she had made another pact with the devil. What
0: is her problem? (laughs) There's other people to be friends with. Come on.
1: (laughs) Another exorcism was done that lasted for two days. And after the demon exited a second time, the air was filled with a foul smell. And then after that point, there was never any other occurrences recorded and she supposedly went on to live a normal life after that.
0: Oh gosh, good for her. I guess. I mean, does she remember?
1: I have no idea. I
0: wonder. I want. Yeah, I always wondered if they remember that.
1: I mean, in the situation with the exorcist with Roland Doe, mm-hmm. then he didn't remember anything. after He it didn't. Well, oh, that's a good thing. All right, last story of the night. Heidi's going to love this one because it's about Sweden.
0: Oh, okay, great.
1: It's the old vicarage in Sweden, which I found out that vicarage basically just means a house that a bunch of priests or religious characters have lived in. Gotcha. I guess they probably don't like to be referred to as religious characters.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's okay. (laughs) But you know what I mean. Yeah.
1: Religious figures. This story is from, and I'll probably butcher this, Borgvetnet, Sweden, which is a little town. The house looks like any other ordinary home. If you can spend the night at this house though, they give you an honorary certificate. Why? Because it's apparently that haunted.
0: Uh-huh.
1: It's supposed to be the like the haunted most haunted place in Sweden. But
0: hmm. the house
1: was built in eighteen seventy six and it was first documented paranormal experience was back in nineteen twenty seven. So there might have been a bunch of stuff that happened before this, but That was the first documented, and you're going to notice a pattern about most of these Mm -hmm. as we get into the story involving chaplains or priests. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: The very first one was a chaplain by the name of Niles Hedlund. This incident, hold on to your tidy whities involved his laundry.
0: (laughs) Did it have to do with a fitted sheet?
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, but that would have been funny. He was going to the attic to get some more of his laundry, And he saw an invisible force tearing his clothes off of the clothesline that was outside. I guess he saw it through the window. So the next priest to live there was in the 1930s. His name was Rudolph Tangden. He saw the ghost of an old woman wearing gray in a nearby room. He didn't realize it was a ghost until he walked into the room to try to see what was going on and see who that person was. And And then he said as soon as he walked into the room, she just kind of disappeared. Wow. Tangden's successor, Otto Lingren lived here in the 1940s. He and his wife heard unexplained sounds and they saw objects move. They also heard disembodied footsteps in the hall and heard music coming from the same area that they heard the footsteps. They had a young lady come visit them by the name of Inga Floden one time and uh, she stayed in the guest room. She was awoken in the middle of the night with the feeling that she was being watched. Now when she opened her eyes, she saw three old women sitting on a sofa against One of the walls in her room They appeared to be crying She jumped up Turned the lights on And she could still see them But they were blurry The second odd part to this story Is that there was no couch in her room When she went to bed And there was no couch in her room When she woke up
0: Oh dang So now they're bringing their own furniture?
1: (laughs) 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 They had a strong attachment to that couch I guess so in nineteen forty-five, Eric Lindgren, another uh, chaplain, was assigned to the vicarage. He recorded several unusual experiences.
0: Like he heard the same thing as everybody else did, or?
1: Well, things happened there before he could even get stuff unpacked. Like at one time, he was just finished unpacking. He sat down in a rocking chair to read a book, relax a little bit. The chair suddenly tipped forward and threw him out of it. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "When he sat down again, a strong force entered his body." Oh, keep mind, this is a member. You know, this was a man of God. So, oh my gosh! Today, the rocking chair is uh, can be seen rocking on its own because they still have the original rocking chair there. Because this was back in the forties, so it wasn't that that long ago. Right. In recent years, the vicarage has been a bed and breakfast and a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Many guests report strange activity. These reports include shadow people being seen footsteps on the stairs, a woman screaming, someone crying, knocking sounds, and a madonna seen in one of the mirrors. I don't think that means like the like a virgin madonna, I think.
0: Well, let's hope not
1: cuz
0: I'm sure fire would be spewing out of that mirror.
1: <laughs> one couple was making their way down the steps and an entity grabbed the husband's arm. He was dragged down the whole rest of the steps and thrown into the yard. <laughs> The couple refused to re-enter the house, and they slept in a tent on the property. <laughs> Several guests have been awoken and by unseen cold hands pressed against their forehead.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Several theories have been suggested as to what might have caused this happening. Many believe it was a former priest mm-hmm. that uh, haunts the home. Others think it's a maid that used to work there. She got pregnant, and out of depression, she killed and buried her baby next to the house. Aww. Some think it's a priest named Per Hedlin. His wife, Marta, died while she was delivering their 11th child. 11th? 11th. That's what she said. He took her body from the morgue, and the villagers had to convince him to bury her. Supposedly, when he moved away, he dug her up and took her with him. That's love right there.
0: It is love. I don't know. I, I, I guess I never think about priests being haunting. You know what I'm saying? No, I get that.
1: Now, if the name Per Hedlund sounds pretty familiar, it's because the first priest to have any experiences to the paranormal here was Nile Hedlund. Remember we talked about him? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was Marta's son. <gasps> so,
0: yeah. Wow. Ooh!
1: So supposedly the priest that maybe haunts it, the, the guy that had the very first experience yeah. there, that was his dad.
0: Oh my goodness! So kind of
1: yeah, creepy. Yeah, that's very creepy. Guys, that is what we got for you. So hope you loved it. Three uh, three cool stories in the bonus episode. We appreciate all of your patronage. Yeah, thank we you thank guys. Thank you so much.
0: We do appreciate y'all so much.
1: And uh, it'll be probably just a matter of minutes for some of you, and you'll be here in another episode.
0: (laughs) Sounds good.
1: We're hoping we're kind of overloading you guys so you you get your money's worth.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Thank you. We love you.
0: Love you.